PA guys, they have a thankless task. Nobody knows they're back there till they mess up. And uh, sometimes they don't even mess up, it just, this messes up. And uh, that's okay. If a, if a sound system can keep God from meeting with us, then uh, we, we, we don't have much of a God, amen? Uh, but we, we do have a great God, don't we? Isaiah 64, Isaiah 64, and um, I want to read this passage. And my heart is burdened with this passage this morning and with our great need for revival. And so Isaiah 64, if you found your place, I invite you to stand with me to read the text. We're going to read this entire chapter and uh, probably only going to preach the first few verses, but we'll see how God leads. Isaiah 64, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, O that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, Thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned, in those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There's none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself, to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay and thou our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Be not wroth very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee, we are, thy, we are all thy people. Thy holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praise thee, is burned up with fire. And all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace? and afflict us very sore. I want to preach this morning from this passage. And he talks about, in verse number one, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens. This is a prayer. And I believe it's a, a fitting prayer. Not just for Isaiah in his day, but for us in this day. That thou wouldest rend the heavens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for this 
passage of Scripture. Thank you for preserving it for us. And Lord, we know that though this was written thousands of years ago, though we understand that uh, all of the Bible uh, uh, is, is not written directly to us, we do know, Lord, that it is written for us. And God, we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So God, may we profit from this passage this morning. God, I pray that we would understand how desperately we need you, Lord, to come down and meet with us and uh, work in our lives and make a change in us and in our homes and in our churches. God, our nation needs revival. And Lord, we understand that revival does not come upon the lost. It comes upon the saved. And God, I pray that we would in these days so uh, focus ourselves and dedicate ourselves to this call for revival, Lord, that everything else would fade away, that nothing else would be as important as seeing you work in our hearts in these days. And God, I pray that you would be blessed and honored and glorified in this time that we have together. And may our hearts be stirred and changed by the power of God and by the presence of God. And we'll thank you and praise you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. If you look at the context of this, you understand that God is speaking uh, to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And, uh, and this is really a prayer uh, that they are praying for uh, the Lord to come down and, and, and meet with them. Uh, the context and the prophetical context here is end times. It's prophetic. It's future. Uh, Jacob's trouble is being seen here, uh, the, the time of Jacob's trouble before the kingdom is established and that the nation of Israel is going to come together and they're going to pray for God to come back and straighten out the mess. You know, although this was written to Israel about and about a different time, you know what? I, we're praying, I'm praying, preacher, that God will come back soon and straighten out the mess. Amen? And, uh, and so it's a prayer of the remnant. It's a, it's a prayer of desperation for revival. That's what this is. It's a prayer of desperation for revival. Leonard Ravenhill, who I believe is one of the greatest revivalists of our generation, he, he said this, he was asked, uh, Dr. Ravenhill, why do you think uh, that we don't have revival? Why, don't, why doesn't America see revival? And he said this, he said, God's people don't have revival because we are content to live without it. That is the reason that God's people don't have revival. We are content to live without revival. The greatest, listen, I believe the greatest hindrance to revival in our times is apathy. We are apathetic toward our need of him. We are like Laodicea. We are rich and increased with goods. We've got what we need. And listen, uh, I was thinking how much we complain about what we have here in this nation. And we complain about gas prices going up. And did you notice they're coming back down a little bit? Yeah, yeah, there, there's something called an election taking place here soon. But, but, and, and we, but we complain about how expensive everything is and all this stuff and, and all that. But you know what? We still have enough to live on and then some. None of us starving to death in here. Amen. 
Uh, we, have, we, we have been abundantly blessed. We have been given so much in this country, and we are at ease in Zion. We are comfortable the way things are. We are happy with the way things are. And listen, if the truth be told, we don't want revival as much as we say we do. As a matter of fact, listen, the more I study revival in the Word of God and revival in history, revivals that have taken place in history, the more I have to search my soul to make sure I want revival. Because when revival comes, things change. He rocks the boat. Amen? He rattles our cage. There are things that we are involved in that we won't be able to be involved in anymore. There's a level of commitment that we have not achieved yet. And, and listen, when revival comes, things pick up spiritually and things drop down physically and materially. We were talking on the way here, or not on the way here, but once we got here, I was talking with a pastor, and he said uh, that, that you guys just finished up VBS last week. He said, we're all tired. And, and we, we had a breakdown on our bus, and, and we left yesterday at 3 in the morning to get here. We're tired. You're tired. Everybody's tired. But you know what the pastor said, and I agree with this. He said, you know, a lot of times it takes us being tired in body for the spirit to be open and receptive to the things of God. A lot of times we have to have our defenses down a little bit. Well, this is a vulnerable place to be. And it's a dangerous place to be because when your defenses are down, just about anything can get in. And that's why I think it's so important. Let's just make sure that only God's getting in this week. How do I make sure of that? Well, listen, there's a lot of things we could cover, but, but let me say this. We're in the first, first uh, meeting of this revival. I'll tell you a good way to just let God's word get in you and keep the devil's word out of you. Be in the services. Amen. Amen. Be right here. Don't miss what God's wanting to say in these days. This nation, they, they are desperate, and they are desperate because their situation has become desperate. We're not desperate because our situation is not desperate. But listen, just because our situation physically and materially is not desperate does not mean that our situation is not spiritually desperate. I look around, we go to these churches, I look around and I see young people, as soon as they get uh, graduated from high school, they're gone. They're leaving. And, and why is that? Why do they walk out? Because there's nothing to keep them in. And so mankind, we think, well, we got to have programs, and we got to have this, and we got to have activities, we got to have pizza. And that'll keep them all in. But listen, listen, if we don't have God... If we don't have God's presence, what are we keeping them to? Pizza? Activities? Listen, we have adopted the things of the world to try to hold up the church. What the church needs is the power of God. We need the presence of God. We need His work in our lives. And, and the, the kind of work that we don't just hear when we're here and enjoy 
in the, in the service and then leave it here and go home back to our ways. Listen, the kind of work that goes home with us. We need God. We need to be desperate for revival. Now, now notice in this passage, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3, all, with, all end with this phrase, thy presence, thy presence, thy presence. You know what, I, I'm glad you're here, and I want you to be here as much as you can, but I want him to be here more than anyone else. Because it's his presence that makes a difference. It's his presence that, that causes things to come from death to life. And look at this, listen to this prayer again. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. The end of verse 2, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. The end of verse 3, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. You know, when, when the Lord shows up, business picks up. He, 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 first of all, I want us to see that the presence of God affects a change. The presence of God affects a change. And, and he, he, noted, he, he points out in these verses, when the, Lord, when the Lord shows up, even nature bows to his power. Now that was, that was the one thing that, that the, the disciples and the, and the people of, of Israel, when Jesus was on this earth, that was the one thing that just blew their minds. Even the winds and waves obey his will. You know, you can, people who are, who are charismatic in nature, they're very, very influential, they can, they can adopt people to, to, to follow them. They can influence people and, and coerce people and all of those things. But listen, when you're talking about the winds and the waves, you're talking about nature, you're talking about disease, you're talking about all those things, that's beyond our power to influence. That takes supernatural power. You know what revival is? It is supernatural power. It is God's work. It's divine. It's something that changes us from the inside out. That's what they're calling for. That's what they're praying for. That's what they're desperate for. We don't want to just have another meeting here. Listen, we, we do this every year, and I'm glad. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come here every year. But every year, you know what I'm coming here for? I'm searching for revival. I'm looking for God to do something that I can't do and you can't do. Our families need revival. When God shows up, he affects a change. Now, we mentioned, we mentioned the verse that, 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 that Christ speaks to us in, in uh, Matthew chapter 16. He talks about where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. And so we say, well, well the Lord's here. Why are we praying for the presence of God? He's already here. We don't need to pray for that. You know what, Jacob, when God appeared to Jacob, remember that ladder that went from earth to heaven in Genesis chapter 28? 
Jacob was there and he saw that ladder and angels descending and ascending on that ladder. Jacob wakes up and this is what he says, Surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I knew it not. How many times we gather together, the Lord's here. The Lord's working. The Lord wants to revive us, but we're not in tune. We're not hearing His voice. We're not aware of His presence. When the, when the Spirit of God shows up, when the presence of God is recognized, it affects a change. The heavens were rent. The mountains flowed down. The waters boiled. I like this. Look at verse number 2. Look what it says. As when the melting of fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil. And when waters get so hot, they start boiling. Now our van, we have a little coolant leak in the van. And so on the way here, we'd have to stop every so often and put more water in it. Because if you don't, you don't stop so often, you just stop. Right? And so, and so, and put it in there. Well, that's a tricky thing, taking that cap off that radiator. You got to make sure it's not too hot. And, and, and I, I got a little burn yesterday, taking that cap off, because I, I was impatient. I was impatient. I didn't want to wait for the water to cool off. And so when I opened it up, I got a little burn here on my arm. Not too bad. Don't, don't be worried. Amen. But, but I got a little burnt because that, that water was so hot. It was boiling, boiling. And it made known its presence on my arm. Some of it splashed down on my shirt and, and got this, this pulpit blister, I call it. A lot of preachers have these big pulpit blisters right here. Kind of got on my stomach a little bit, and it made its presence known. When the waters boil you're aware that they're boiling. And here it says, it says this, it said, it made the waters to boil, and look what, look what happens after it. It says, to make thy name known to thine adversaries. Now, I like typology, and there, I mean, there's probably a hundred different ways you could preach this, but it's my turn, amen? So I'm going to preach it my way. When, he, when, when, I, when I think of those waters, what are those waters? Well, Throughout the scripture, waters are a type of the people, of the nations. And, uh, and, and throughout, you see that throughout the scripture as a type, when it's talking about many waters, when it's talking about uh, uh, the sea, uh, it's talking about people. And, and you know, God uses people to make his presence known. You know what I'm praying for this week? That God would so light a fire in our hearts that it would boil over and that folks would know, hey, there's something going on down at Fellowship Baptist Church. There's something happening in those Christians. that are, There's something burning in their hearts and they have to make known what God is doing. You get filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost and it'll cause you to boil over. Amen. 
I know we're Baptists, we don't believe this stuff, but it's in the book. The presence of God affects the change. The presence of God takes us beyond natural comprehension. It takes us beyond what we are able to do and even what we are able to understand. In verse number 3 of Isaiah 64, look at this. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Now listen, we, we, we're familiar with the quote of this passage more than we are with the original. The quote given is in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I have not seen, neither ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. This is the original quote right here, and it's in the context of praying for revival. It's not talking about heaven. You know, we read that verse, I hadn't seen, you hadn't heard what you prepared for us, and we think about heaven, and that's, that's fine, and that's okay, but that's not the context. Thank God for heaven, but thank God for what God can do for us right down here. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to see what God can do. You, you know what you know what we've seen? We've seen what we can do. And we can build buildings and we can sing songs and we can and we and, and we can and we can pray and, and we can read our Bibles and we can witness and all those things are good and all those things are fine. But listen, we've got to see what God can do. What we can do is not enough, Brother Frank. What we can do will fall short. We've got to see what God can do. Because this world needs what God can do. He's saying, there's some things that God wants to do for us that if we didn't see them with our own eyes, we wouldn't believe it. And if we didn't hear with our own ears, we wouldn't believe it. See, we've got God in this nice little box, and he fits so nice in our box. And this is what we expect God to do, and this is what we expect God to say, and this is how we expect God to work. God doesn't fit in our box. He does fit in a book, but he doesn't fit in our understanding. He, do, he goes beyond what we could see or hear or experience. This is what he says in, in the book of Ephesians. Now unto him that is able, he's able to do abundantly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We're asking for revival. God can do that exceeding abundantly above what we ask. Exceeding abundantly above what we think. You know, it'd do you good to read about some of the revivals that took place, some of the revivals in, in the Bible and other revivals in history. It's amazing what God has done when people were hungry for his presence. We heard this morning, though, in Sunday school, the problem, I believe, many times is that we're not hungry for his presence, Brother Rich. We're hungry for the things of this world. We've got an appetite 
for the things of this world, and the flesh has overcome the spirit, and the appetites of the flesh are more important to us than what God has for us. That's the struggle, isn't it? Listen, we can have revival right here, right now. We can have it right here and right now. Because God's promised it to us, if we will humble ourselves, humble ourselves, we're too filled with pride. We're Laodicea. We're rich and increasing good. We have need of nothing. We like our church. We like our lives. We like, we like our families just the way they are. God, don't interrupt this. Don't. Don't turn this over. Don't turn over our apple cart. We just stacked the apples, Lord. We just got things the way we want them. And God said, you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't even understand how much you need me. I'm praying that God would revive our hearts in this week, that we would see each and every one of us how much we need him. You come down, Lord. I'm glad that you're glad that we're here. That's a blessing. Sometimes I'm not sure if people are glad that we're here. But I'm, I'm glad that you're glad that we're here. But you know what? Much, much more I would, I would desire that you would desire his presence. I got this little note last week. I got this little note from one of the young men in the church. And it, boy, he did it up real nice. Summer Revival Meeting 2022 with Brother Mark Thren. And then on the back, he wrote these things. And I'm not going to read them all. I'm not going to tell you who he is. You wouldn't know him anyways, but he's a young fella. And this is what he said. This is one of the things he said. He said, I know you made revival happen in my soul. He's 10 years old. 10 years old. He said, I know you made revival happen in my soul. Now, you know what? I didn't make revival happen in his soul. It wasn't me. But I believe God did something for this little boy. He says, I will apply these things to my heart now. I'm just reading, I'm reading you his note. It's putting me under conviction. Thank you, Brother Mark Thren, for all the messages this week. They really spoke to my heart, and I will ponder them in my heart. Ten years old. And down at the bottom, he said, please keep this somewhere safe. <laughs> Ten years old. His heart is stirred by the word of God. I want the Lord's presence here in these days. I got a whole message here prepared. I'm not going to preach the whole message. Because I think we've heard what we need to hear. We need the presence of God. We need the presence of God. 
And sometimes it's hard for us to pray for things because we don't really have the full understanding of what we're praying. But listen, that's why the Spirit of God takes our prayers and presents them to the Father. Groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes, listen, I found that, especially in the last week or so, God's been stirring in my heart. And this meeting we just came out of, God spoke to my heart. And, and many times, I go down to the altar, I knew I needed to be down there. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to put into words what God was doing in my heart, but I just wanted to present myself on the altar and, and just, God, God, just work in me. I don't even know what to pray for. I just want your work. I want your spirit. I want your presence. I want you to change me. Because there's things in my life that I know are not pleasing to you. They're not honoring to you. There's things in this world that have caught my attention. I want my thoughts to be on him. Not just when I'm in church. Not just when I'm reading my Bible. I want my, my mind to be stayed on him. I want him to have my heart, Brother Frank. I want, him, I want to know his presence every moment. Sometimes I don't even know how to pray. But I just present myself to God. Lord, do the work in me that needs to be done. The presence of God takes us beyond natural comprehension. The presence of God reveals our uncleanness. You see that in these verses, he's talking about this, and he said, in verse 5, he says, Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. You know what he says? I understand, Lord, that you're going to meet with someone that rejoices and works righteousness. We can't go throughout our day and, and give in to the lust of the flesh and pride and hatred and variance and all these things be in our lives and expect for God to meet with us. He meets with those that rejoice and work righteousness. But here's the problem, verse 6, we're all as an unclean thing. Our problem is we are unrighteous without him. All of our righteousnesses, the best things we have to offer to God, are as filthy rags. So Lord, how, how in the world can you meet with us that we don't deserve your presence, we don't deserve your power? We understand, though, that though our iniquities like the wind have taken us away, if we will call upon the Lord... He will hear us. And that's what they're doing here. They're calling. They're saying that you would rend the heavens. I got to thinking about that. God's up there, and we're down here. And the thing between us are the heavens. That's what he's praying. And so he prays that God would rend, tear. Tear the thing that's between us. What is between you and God? What is there that's between His blessing and His power and His presence filling your life? What is it between? I believe it would be a wonderful thing that God would honor if we just say, Lord, tear it up. 
Rend it. Get it out of the way. Is it my apathy? Is it, is it money? Is it, is it pleasure? Is it fame? Is it what this one thinks about me or what that one thinks about me? Tear it out of my life. Why would they pray this? How could you pray for God to tear that out of you when you realize that the presence of God is the most important thing to you? Then everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes expendable. I'm saying in these days, God is calling us back to Him. He's calling us back to a realization that we need His presence. Now, some of you are sitting here today and you have no idea what I'm talking about. When I talk about the presence of God, you don't have a clue. And so you're sitting there thinking, well, what is he so worked up about? What, what's the big deal? I've been living this way all this time. I haven't experienced the presence of God. If you had, you would understand what I'm talking about. And you'd understand what a big deal it is. To go through your whole life, listen, you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to keep us entertained and keep us so involved in the things of this world that we don't even miss him. We don't even miss God. We don't even miss his power. We don't even miss his, his presence. You know, we have little ones. Those of you little ones, you know how hard it is to get away. Right? You want, you want, to, take, you want, you want to go out for a little uh, evening, you know, you and your wife? And uh, so you make all the plans and you get the sitter and all this other stuff. But you don't tell those kids. No, because you want them, you want them at ease, at peace. And then, you know, when they're not looking, you sneak out. You, you turn on a movie, or you let them have the popsicle, or you do something to distract them so that they don't know that you're leaving. They're not aware that your presence is gone. Listen. That's American Christianity. The devil has thrown us trinkets to get us distracted to, so that we, we don't even notice that he's not here. We don't even know. We come into church week after week like punching the clock. Here to do our time. And then go home just the same way we came in. And we're just going through, listen, I know, I know we're Baptists, we're proud of the fact we're Baptists, we're Bible believers, but in practice, we've become Catholics. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, we've come in, we go through our little routine, and we go home, and we feel good about ourselves because we did our service to God. And there's no presence of God. There's no influence of the Holy Ghost in our lives. There's no hunger for the Word of God. There's no cry from our heart. Lord, we need you here. I'm thankful that God, our God is not a God who is far off. He is nigh. He's right there for all who will call upon Him. Look what it says here. Look, I, I'm, I'm trying to be done, but I, I'm, I'm not going to pull the plug on the Lord. Look what it says here. In verse number 7, 
There is none that calleth upon thy name, look at this, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. We sit back and we say this. We get in our, we get in our church pew and this is what we say. Lord, stir me. Lord, speak to me. As if it's all up to the Lord. And then, if nothing changes, we feel guiltless. But we did our thing. So God just doesn't speak to my heart anymore. Why don't you speak to His? Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He didn't say, bring your hands over here and let me wash them. No, he said, you clean them. You clean them. Amen. You know what he says? He said, there's none that calls upon me. There's none that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Let me challenge you in these days. Stir up yourself to take hold of God. I believe that if we would stir ourselves from our slumber and from our infatuation with the world and the things of the world, listen, just make a break. Turn off the television. Lay down the social media. Sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart to seek God. I don't see what the big deal is. That's the big deal. That attitude, that spirit, that's the big deal. We're poor and blind and naked. Don't even realize it, Brother Frank. We're not close to God and we're not concerned about it. Our families are going to hell in a handbasket and we just click our way through life like nothing's wrong. And we look at other people's families and say, well, that, you know, it's just normal. I have no interest in normal. Amen. 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 God didn't save us to make us normal. He saved us to set us apart. To change us. To show this world that you don't have to go the course of the world. That Jesus Christ can make a difference. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. The devil is rocking us to sleep. Rocking us to sleep. You know, one of the things, and listen, I'm, I'm living in the same world that you are. I don't appreciate the higher prices on things. I don't appreciate the uncertainty of the direction of our nation. But I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it, brother. I'm thankful for it because it has stirred us. It has caused, it's, it, some of us, we're finally waking up. You want to talk about woke? I'll tell you who needs to be woke. The church needs to be woke. We have fallen asleep. You know what God's going to do? You know what God does? 
when, 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 when his people start going astray, he does this. He sends prophets. He sends preachers. He sends his word. He tries to speak to our spirit. He tries to draw us by the spirit of God. He tries to deal with us spiritually. Here's the problem, preacher. Here's the problem. Most of us are so checked out spiritually, we're not answering the door. We don't even hear him knock. So he told Laodicea, I stand at the door and knock. And we preach that as if, you know, he's trying to get people saved. He's not. He's trying to wake up the church right there. He's trying to wake up the church. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He wants fellowship. But we're checked out spiritually and so you know what he has to do to get our attention? Because we, we're, we might be checked out spiritually, but we are not checked out uh, materially. We are not checked out physically. And so you know what he does to get our attention, Brother Rich? He starts touching those things. Financially, physically, relationally. He starts poking those things. And, and then we finally wake up. You know, it would be much better. It would be much better if we just seek God when he speaks to our spirit than to have to wait for him to touch something physically or touch something financially, to touch us materially, for relationships to all of a sudden go sour, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be much better if we would, as a voluntary act, just come down to this altar? You say, well, I'm not comfortable going to the altar. That's why we need to come. Just come down to this altar and say, Lord, I know you want to speak to my heart this week. I know there's things in my life you want to make changes. And Lord, I've tried to make changes. I've failed. But God, I'm presenting myself to you today because I know that you can make a difference. I know that revival comes from thee. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself, I'm going to stir myself, I'm going to call upon you, and I'm going to put myself in a position that you can revive me. You know what revival means? It means to bring back to life. Remember when he got saved? Remember that? When the Lord brought you from death to life? You know what revival is? It's waking up those of us who have been saved and we've fallen to sleep. Awake, thou that sleepest, and Christ shall give thee light. We're praying God will turn the light on this week. Turn the light on, and then when he does, listen, just say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. We need his presence. The presence of God will reshape us into his image. He talks about the potter and the clay there in verse number 8. You know what he's saying? We've been marred by this world. God created us in his own image, yet man sinned, got away from God, and sin brings consequences. 
Listen, if you're here this morning, you're unsaved. You know why? There's something that separates between you. That's your sins. The sin separates you from God. Sin has marred the image. And only God can restore it. I believe, I know this as a matter of fact, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on God, he'll restore you to that image that he created you to, the image of God. You know, as believers, we can get marred, can't we? We can get marred. You know what we need? We need the potter to put us back on the wheel. You know, that, that clay gets on that wheel, starts out slow, then it speeds up. And that, that clay on that, on that potter's wheel, he doesn't even know which way's up. It's just, wah! The potter's doing a work. He's doing a work. I feel like my life's spinning out of control. God's wanting to do a work. He's wanting to reshape and remold you, refashion you in his image. May not be painless, but it'll be profitable. I believe it'd be a wonderful thing for us to pray. God, reshape me in your image. Revive me. Restore me. Rend the heavens. Lord, rend the heavens. Tear what is between us and come down. Come down. Manifest your presence to us in these days. Change us. Shape us. Mold us. I've been this way all my life. No case too hard for the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction. And Lord, I know we've went maybe longer than what we're used to. But God, that doesn't matter. In light of eternity... what you want to do in us. And through us ought to be the most important thing to us. God, I pray in these days, I pray that you would take my heart. I'm presenting it to you. I'm calling upon you, Lord. Continue shaping and molding me into your image. Come down. Come down. Rend the heavens and come down and meet with us in these days. Save the lost. Revive the saint. Change us into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.